Michael Ann somehow always brings it back to Christianity in America. What's up with that? <laughs> hate spinnerbait the podcast where we hate spinnerbait but we love sarah's female we do we really do i'm michael ann and with me as always is bethany feeling good ready to talk about some really great truth about forever chapters and um, i'm also very ready to hear your recap but before we do that how are you i know you're about to be bacheloretting it up soon so getting excited things are happening hell yeah yeah this weekend i'm doing a little little bachelorette staycation with my sisters and my nieces which is gonna be super cute and then next weekend i'll be in dollywood yeah, living Honestly, it up dolly parton what a legend what an icon we love her and Dollywood's a really good time. I haven't been since I was little, so I would love to go back now that I'm brave and can do Same. roller coasters and stuff. So it's it's on my list of things that I would like to hit up in the near future. I wonder what the drive is from where I live. Yeah. It's probably not bad, honestly. Girl. Let's see. I actually don't know how long <laughs> like, it's going to take me to freaking drive there. And I am driving there. Five hours and 55 minutes from me. That's not bad at all. That's how long it would take me to get to Orlando, too. It's only six and a half hours away from you. Oh, yeah. What? Why am I not going to Dollywood? Right? I'm just actually going to crash your bachelor Honestly, you can. <laughs> we, we rented a whole cabin, Bethany. An entire cabin. You should. I mean, literally, only two people are coming now. <laughs> so it's going to be me and two other people so if you want to freaking drive to dollywood we have space because we rented a freaking like four bedroom cabin so <laughs> all right before we dive into chapter seven here today you know the drill we need a recap hit us let's see if you can remember the main character's name today <laughs> i can macy so she um Biggest plot point about her really backstory is that she watched her father kind of have a heart attack and die. So she's been dealing with that kind of whole situation. Um, she had a really crappy boyfriend named Jason, whose job she took over at the information desk at the library. Um, and then he dumped her via email. Yes, douche moves. So she decided to start catering for this catering company that worked her mother's party at one point because it's a cast of characters. And so she's doing that and she's making friends and she met a nice boy there too. His name is Wes. And we'll see what happens there, won't we? Artsy little weirdo. Artsy little weirdo. Oops, this book is jacket covers. Really seen better days. <laughs> it's well loved. It's been loved, y'all. It's been loved. Well, have you seen? Oh my god, we haven't even 
we just did the recap and I'm already on my first tangent of the day, everyone. I apologize. But have you seen, just saying that, that it's all, that it's been loved. It's this post and it's someone that was putting something about like, you know, like a childhood, like teddy bear or something that they had. Um, I can't remember exactly what the animal was, but it was some kind of like, you know, a plushie, like a stuffed animal. And, you know, it was like, oh, this is it. This is it 13 years later. And then a few other people posted and someone was like, oh, I think it's beautiful because like to be loved is to change. And so like that animal has changed over years or whatever. And I have a teddy bear that I've had since the day I was born. I still have it to this day. She's called Princess Furball. And I saw this post and I was like, to be loved is to be changed. And it's just all these like people stuffed animals they've had for years. And I was like, and now I'm crying. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my God. To be loved is to be changed. And so that's how much I love the book forever. But this book is literally been changed by my love <laughs> the way i got into tiktok so I, re- I resisted tiktok for so long okay so long and then one day i finally cracked like not even that long ago a few months ago maybe like six months ago and the first videos that got me into tiktok was was this woman who professionally like rehabilitates oh yes like the teddy like bears animal like rehab basically like yeah, yeah. like makes them all like they look like they're like brand new and that's that's crazy that she can do that and yeah like very emotional videos like these people like their little loveys that they had since they were they're all like you know torn and broken apart and then they like come back like they were brand new it's beautiful it's so beautiful i was like i was just watching those videos all the time and i'm gonna look that girl back up she's not popping up on my feed anymore yeah, she needs to get back there. Everyone needs a good cry every once in a while. Of, Seriously. Of friends being reunited with an old friend, basically, is what it is. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Alrighty. Well, I guess we should, speaking of beautiful things, let's jump into chapter seven, because there's some really beautiful female friendships. This is, this chapter alone, I think, gets Christy on Mount Rushmore status. Well, really, it's the next chapter, I think, that gets Chrissy on Mount Rushmore status. But mm-hmm. she's iconic in both of them, honestly. They're kind of having to throw it back to keeping the mood. They're sort of having, like, a chick night, basically. As we left off on Chapter 6, as everyone probably remembers, if you don't, come to your mind here. <laughs> um, Macy finally agreed, right? Cause she was like, oh, you know, I'm never going to be Bethany and Amanda. I'm not going to be these perfect library bitches. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead. Christy keeps inviting me out. I'm going to go out with her. So she agrees and kind of at the start of chapter seven here is sort of instantly regretting it already because Christy is is kind of giving her like a Christy makeover, which means sparkles and hair rollers and a bunch of things that Macy kind of isn't. Um, but yeah, our, our girl Christy here, she's kind of a, a fashion icon and she's like throwing penny loafers at her and telling her like, trust me. I know you think it won't work, but it will. And I promise your hair's not going to be big. It's going to be perfect. And, and Macy's kind of like, oh, God. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. And we get to learn a little bit about Christy's backstory and the scars that she has. I really wish she kind of would have done like a Joker moment and be like, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been something. That's not what happened, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um it's a little tragic they also they live with their grandmother stella in a double wide which she says she prefers calling it a double wide and not a trailer because it has less like redneck connotations and i'm not sure about that because i maybe in 2004 it didn't also stella as we learned was the nice lady that helps macy out in finding julia so she's the nice lady 
reading Barbara Starr on the side of the road while selling like tomatoes and such. So bless you, Stella. So they live with her, Monica and Christy, because it sounds like their mom wasn't really the best. Like she got into a car accident when she was 12 years old and Christy was 12 years old, not their mother. And it kind of seems like her mom is just a hot mess and kind of, um, they never say that, like, they were taken away from her, but I wonder if they were taken away from her. Like, I kind of, I don't know, because I think later she said that her mom kind of, like, ran off, but maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure really what the situation is with her mom, but it's, it's certainly not good. She may have not been the most uh, protective and, and great mother, but, you know. Um so yeah, so she's just kind of talking about how she got the scars and how, you know, like why she brought it up and, and Macy's like, I'm sorry, like I, I would have never said anything. And she's like, no, I know like you haven't. And she's like, most people do like most people. It's one of the first things they say about me because it's hard to ignore. And then she says, really, I kind of prefer it. I mean, it's better than just start staring and acting like you're not. Kids are the best. They'll just look at me and say, what's wrong with your face? I like that. Get it out in the open. I mean, shit, it's not like it isn't anyway. That's one reason why I dress up so much, you know, because people are already staring. Might as well give them a show, you know? And it's like, yeah, that I do like that. I like that she's like, listen, everyone's looking at me anyways. Might as well look my best. <laughs> yes, I had that part highlighted too. I loved it. Yeah, I highlighted that spot too. I really like, I like how we how much we see about her personality and her like view on life here. Also, I think they're... I'm assuming the way I read it was their mom was was an addict. Yeah. That's kind like, of the vibe that I got. Pretty sad, but they yes. seem she seems to have like a really good outlook on life, basically. And yeah. also the description of the double wide and the garden that's all around it was absolutely beautiful. I was like can I live in this double wide, please? Because that sounds like magic. Doing it again, Sarah. No, it, it does. I love, I mean, again, Monica, as you know, is a little monotone. I love when Christy will say things like, she's very easily upset or she's very this or, you know, she'll just like say things around and you're like, is she? Like, I love when Macy's like, is she? Um, but it does sound like, I don't know, this double wide is just a very lovely, like, place to live. Like, it's just like a, like, filled of, you know, Stella's garden and Christie's love fashion and like, I don't know, it just seems like a nice, like very homey, kind of full of love sort of place. And I, I just, I love that. Yeah, I, I do love that she's always like, Monica has a lot of feelings. It's just, that's, that's just how she displays them or she just shuts down or whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, sisters. Oh, Monica. She is, she's a good in with her, like, three catchphrases. So, yeah, they're getting ready to go. And like I said, Macy's very, she's kind of apprehensive. She thought this was a good idea. But the more she's looking at, like, her glitter straps on her shirt, the more she's like, oh, shit, I don't know what I got myself into. It wouldn't be too late if I just backed out now. Like, we're just getting ready and christy kind of cuts her off because she comes in and is like i know what you're thinking it you're right it, i was gonna comb out your hair a little bit but it just tossed like that is perfect which of course is not at all what macy is thinking macy is thinking i want to run for the hills 
But then she looks at herself in the mirror and is like, oh, the perfect part that I spend 20 minutes, you know, getting ready every day. Maybe I do look better with tasseled hair, a little bit more devil may care. And now that she's put this other shirt on top of the sparkle straps of the tank top, the cleavage, evidently, it also has some cleavage. Also, is Christy like contouring before contouring was like even really that trendy? Because she was like, I'm going to go grab some bronzer for your cleavage. And I was like, that's what all the people do now. It's like fake cleavage is like they contour their boobs. And Christy is a trendsetter is what I'm trying to say here, basically. <laughs> I was like, wow. I'm pretty sure. Boob contour, like trendsetter. You go, so girl. Good. I also was like picturing this outfit in my head. And it, to, in my head, the way I'm imagining it, it's like the most 2004 outfit of all time. Like I can just picture it. The tank top's kind of slouchy. Yep. You know like, what I mean? Slouchy, like that like, Apparently, this is coming back in trend, too, which, like, no, everyone, no. Those, like, bubble tops, like, bubble tops and bubble dresses. Like, I envision the tank top being, like, slouchy up top and, like, very, like, kind of loose flowing. But you know what has almost, like, a band at the bottom to make it, like, look like a bubble? And they were, like, bubble tops. Like, that is 100% what I was envisioning because it was, like, that. And then, yeah, like, flared out jeans was, like, you were ready to go in 2004 or whatever. And that is just what I was picturing. And I was like, I owned that outfit. I wore that outfit. I love that outfit, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, the fashion back then was just like criminal. And it is coming back. I went, I was on American Eagle's website the other day, looking through their clothes. And yeah, it's basically stuff I would have worn in 2005. Like the tops, peasant tops, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, guys, you don't want to do this. I, I promise. Really I promise. I know they're bringing back. I mean, nothing really is good from the aughts. So don't bring back any of it, but they really are just, it's really starting to come back. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, like, this is finally our time to do that. Because for the longest time we were copying terrible trends that our mothers were probably, or, you know, like whatever relatives that were older than you, maybe an aunt or someone was like oh god they're bringing that back in and you're like what no this new hip thing but i'm like oh i'm at the now when fashion is coming out and i'm like oh we did that like 15 years ago and it was a big mistake and you're gonna look at pictures of yourself and be like what was i thinking so please ladies gentlemen everyone out there just don't do it (laughs) don't do it don't do it baby doll shirts oh don't do it don't do why why before before you know it there'll be zebra print and hot pink yes. dresses yep. back out in the yeah. world oh cringe <laughs> cringe major cringe Gen learn from our mistakes please like listen millennials get blamed for everything and we shouldn't but our fashion was terrible so we should get blamed for that it's the one thing you really should not try to act your way and i blame the Disney Channel. Oh God, seriously, it is one hundred percent the Disney Channel's fault. It really it warped all of our brains into thinking like layering five shirts was cute. And this is a hyper specific reference that only people from my area growing up will ref- will understand. But there were these T-shirts. Well, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't just my area, but I haven't met anyone else who has mentioned these T-shirts before. They were called Jasmine Sola. Yeah, t-shirts. I don't know that one. 
They were just short sleeve shirts that said Jasmine Sola, and it was like the hot thing to have, and everybody had them in all different colors. Jasmine Sola. I don't know what happened to them, but where did you buy it? Like, was it did Jasmine Sola have a a store in the mall, or was it like where where what store? I want to say we got them at like boutiques, like you know, little boutiques i don't know how else to describe it independently owned little shop she was some kind of fashion designer like some kind of brand that's i don't know you know what now i want to know i i it was just like and it was just the t-shirts like it wasn't like anybody had a jasmine sola right skirt it was just so yeah so kind of almost like a hollister shirt that you know like we all were just going around wearing like hollister abercrombie and fit shirts but it was like this weird like boston area specific version of that Oh, Jasmine Sola was a store. It was the Jasmine oh, Sola store. Okay. She had her own store. It's a big deal. She had her own store. It closed in 2008 huh. for good. Oh, After wow. 37 she was years. There for a minute. Everyone was walking around with her okay. name on their shirt. I know. Everybody was obsessed. And now, now she's gone. Yeah. So rest in peace, Jasmine Surely. Sola. That's fascinating. I like that. I love that you guys have like a regional like name because that's such a weird trendy thing as a teenager to just wear a very plain t-shirt. It's very expensive because just a brand name is on it essentially. And I love that you have like a weird regional version of that. That brings me joy for some reason. (laughs) I know I'm going to I know I have a school picture. My like I think my eighth grade school picture. I'm wearing my Jasmine Sola shirt. I just need to find it. I need to bring it back. Let's bring it back. I mean, the 2000s are coming back. This is Jasmine. So do you think she's out there somewhere? Or like her kid or something is out there somewhere and is like, this is our time. (laughs) This is your time, Sola family. So get on it because I'll buy it. I'll buy a Jasmine Sola shirt. I want one. And I'm not even, it's not even my nostalgia, but like I want to get on Get on board. We love it. (laughs) My dog is barking. I'm sorry to everybody. I have a puppy. I've never heard a dog bark so much in my entire life. I don't know how I ended up with a barky little barkster, but I did. And here we are. Now they're looking good. They're ready. It takes Christy considerably longer to assemble her own look, which was a retro 60s outfit with white go-go boots, a pink shirt, and a short skirt. Sounds like she looked amazing. Fashion icon. Legendary. We love her. True. And they go out to the Burt Mobile. He's blasting Pink Floyd. Which I, you know what? I appreciate Sarah Dessen's taste in music. I really do. I agree. She has, she does have very good taste in music. So Burt finally turns the music down. And <laughs> suddenly it was quiet except for a slow knocking sound. Thunk, thunk, thunk. <laughs> and it was Monica knocking at the door. Even she did that like slowly. <laughs> it's so funny. I just picture her being like, hello, pull me in. Barely talking. Ugh. I also love that like they didn't notice. Like Christy seems to be pretty attuned to her most of the time, but she's just like, ah, oh, Bert, the music, meh. And they're like on the couch in the back of the Bert mobile, ready for a good night out. And yeah, there's Monica, like still outside. <laughs> Thunk thunking. <laughs> so oh man. So now they go. 
they find out that Wes is meeting them there. It is 7.37. This is when we find out that uh, Bert is, in fact, an extremely slow driver. Very cautious. Very careful. Which is good because people are sitting on a couch in the back seat. And I'm sure that if you got in an accident, everyone would be dead. So, <laughs> good call. It's very much me out honestly i'm like i guess what would you put in the back of an ambulance because it has like it wouldn't really have seats except for like i think most ambulances have like you know the seats on the side for the crew i don't i don't know yes um and then you have the whole middle bit is open but yeah it's just like it's the living room on wheels and i was like that stresses me out right unless you like have screwed it down and installed seat belts it doesn't sound like that's the case No, just not like they're sitting on a couch in the back of an ambulance. Dangerous. That's a choice. choice. But you know what? It's fun and it's quirky and we love it. And when you're a teenager, you're not thinking about stuff like that. Nope. Because you think you're immortal. And you're like, yeah, it's my cool car with a couch in the back. I'm going to live forever. (laughs) Uh, I also love that Christy (laughs) when they get there. Because, of course, Bird's like complaining about how long it took them to get ready. And then they get there and she's like, I could have walked faster. (laughs) I love it. So they show up to this party. Is it like on the sand dunes or am I getting confused? Or is it in the middle of the woods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is it being more in like the woodsy area from the way it's kind of described? Is it specifically said? It probably is. And she threw us remember. Yeah, it's definitely not a beach. I don't know why I was picturing them on a beach. They definitely didn't drive all the way to Cleveland. You know, it's, it's Sarah Dessens in mind. We're like, you. Exactly. Exactly. They're at a clearing in the woods. And it's like a little, you know, high school party where you're drinking in the woods. And they're all standing together. They find Wes. They're all standing together ch- chatting. Christy is talking about how she has high standards for men, which we love. She says, I don't want an ordinary boy. Yes, girl. Yes, Yes. girl. And this is when Rachel shows up. Mm, Yes. A girl that Macy used to run with and she's shit-faced. And she starts talking about how fast Macy was. She was so fast that she could fly. It's just like drunk rambling. And then, you know, she brings up Macy's dad. She's like, you know, I don't think you're weird. Here it is. I don't care what anyone says. I don't think you're all weird since that thing happened with your dad. I mean, that was messed up that you were there. Most people couldn't handle that, you know, seeing someone die like that. So basically this little persona and this little secretive person that uh, Macy's been trying to be with the Wish crew has been revealed. She is, everybody knows now. Everybody knows that she's the girl who saw her dad die, which is like her worst nightmare. But everyone reacts pretty well. Like they just move on. Like they just start talking about other things. It's just like they start making fun of Rachel basically. Which is sort of deserved. Yeah, I mean, it's 
freaking weird to go up to somebody at a party and be like, it's not something people oh my God, remember when you want to be reminded of when they're out at a party trying to have a good time. It's like, oh, yes, by all means, mm-hmm. please bring that up. Right. It's insane. But it's really nice. Like, they all make each other, you know, they're all, let me see. She looks at Bert. And she says, I saw not the face, but instead a good humored sort of disgust, not directed at me, not about me at all. Um, So they're just making fun of Rachel. And then she looks at Wes and she said she's also surprised by his facial expression. Um, She says, no pity, no sadness. Nothing had changed. I realized all those times I'd felt people stare at me. Their faces had been pictures, abstracts. None of them were mirrors, able to reflect back the expression I thought only I wore, the feelings only I felt, until now, this moment, as our eyes met. If there was a way to recognize something you'd never seen but still knew by heart, I felt it as I looked at his face. Finally, someone understood. So this is like, they have this like big moment, because, you know, Wes practically watched his mom die from cancer. So now they have this like connection, this more understanding. Yeah. She's it's like, like she oh thought God. in this moment when this drunk girl that she knew from her past came up and brought up the thing like, oh, shit, my cover's been blown. You know, like she's been able to kind of stay undetected. Nobody knows the stuff about her. And then, you know, the jig is up, so to speak. Everyone knows. But yeah, this is the first time instead of getting the pity and all of that, she's surrounded by a few people that unfortunately she has a you know, this bond with and the fact that they've gone through something similar. And there is something that's just like very, you know, sort of oddly reassuring about that, I would imagine. Yeah, it's really nice. She says here, I tried to hold myself apart, showing only what I wanted, doling out bits and pieces of who I was, but that only works for so long. Eventually, even the smallest fragments can't help but make a So she's finally starting to, I mean, people are starting to see her whole self here for the first time. Yes, Which is good, girl. Let them see your whole self. You can do it. I have faith in you. Uh, You can allow yourself to grieve. It's it's time. (laughs) Yeah, and then it says an hour later, they're in the back of the burnt mobile on the couch being honest. It might have been the beer. (laughs) Uh, it explains that she's not really much of a drinker, but the second time that Christy went back to the cake, she brought her back, like, I guess, probably like a little, not like a full-size cup, but a little bit of beer back for her. You know, no pressure. Basically, Christy's <laughs> like, oh, no pressure. You know, just if you want it. Um, which makes me went ahead and agreed to it. So she's, sounds like she's a little bit of a lightweight, samesies, and <laughs> a little bit of that is a little loose lips. And so she kind of starts explaining the like Jason situation to them, how she sort of has a boyfriend and they're like, what does that mean? And then she's like, well, we're on a break. And so she's like, okay, like, what does that mean? And then she kind of has to explain his whole idea of like what the break is and all that kind of stuff. And then this is one of my favorite, so it's like iconic things of, I don't know, the truth about forever probably is this whole, you know, swoon thing. And so she says here um, that, you know, she was like, oh, you know, I did say to Monica that first time that we met that I thought that you might have had someone, that you had a boyfriend or something. Again, she didn't know that it's this weird, complicated thing where she has a boyfriend who broke up with her, basically, or is on a break, in air quotes, <laughs> because she had the audacity to admit that 
she left him, but she said, oh, I, I figured you might be with someone because you just look, she said, searching for the word taken, you know, plus you hardly reacted to Wes. I mean, you did a little, but nothing like most girls. It was a little swoon, not a swoon, you know? And yeah, swoon is just one of the best. Like I love just, you know, kind of a recurring theme that keeps coming up in the rest of the book. And it's chef's kiss. I love it. <laughs> But yeah, she's like, you barely reacted to Wes, and everybody loves Wes. You want to know why? Because he's hot. He's a little artsy weirdo. He's like, yeah, who wouldn't want him? Again, he's not an ordinary boy. He's an extraordinary boy. Christy knows with them. She kind of does explain how the fact that like her and Monica both have crushed on him in the past, but they neither one ended up deciding to date him because he's kind of become more like family now. But it sounds like Basically, most girls that need him can recognize that he's he's a good catch. I think I would cast Milo Ventimiglia when he was in 2004. 2004's version oh, of him. Yeah. That was more like 2002. Well, regardless. Um, Close enough, you know. But yeah, he does have that kind of like Jess sort of a bad boy and he's got a pass we learned about the fact that he went to Meyer school you know they're talking about that a little bit which she kind of already knew from Delia but she learns a little bit more about here yeah he's like got this little like air of mystery to him you know but like he's kind of a bad boy with a soft exterior and he's artsy and yeah I think that's definitely very like Jess or Gilmore Girls era so Milo's a really good choice on that front also Milo is the definition of swoon. Yeah. If I ever saw him in person, I would probably pass out. It's true. That man is. And also, like, again, going on my This Is Us, my love for This Is Us tangent again, as I didn't really discuss me anymore. It was so amazing that show. But, like, he just always looks attractive. Like, in the show, because the, they had, he's going through, like, during decades. It's, like, the 70s, it's, like, the full beard. And the 80s, it's, like, the, like it's hard to pull off a mustache. And that, man, like, it was, like, a mustache, slick back hair, like, 80s suit. Mm. And I still was, like, yeah, he could get it. <laughs> like, he's still so hot. He's basically the only reason why I watched that show for as long as I did. Because, as I said, it was very good, but it was too emotional. Yeah. And it just is like, my life's already too emotional. But, um, oh my God. And then he was in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Wow. I wish he was in more of it. He was only yeah. in it for a minute. I was expecting a little bit more, but that's, that's it. okay. It's also because... just like so good on him. Like, the 60s oh. And, oh my God. He just looks, yeah. He can do any era. He can do any era and he is seriously one of those people that gets better with age like he really does age like a mm-hmm. fine wine because again like thinking back to his gilmore girls days like yes i thought he was very attractive especially because also like he was younger i was younger so like you know whatever but the older he gets like the more i'm just like damn <laughs> yeah like it's not even fair like stop getting more attractive <laughs> i know I know it's it's like it's a scientific marvel like did he sell his soul to the devil how is it even possible but anyway yeah and he's just like the charm and the charisma to back it up as well which is attractive but that's enough of us I guess so looming over him but hey that's what the shepherds bought right so it's it's uh fitting so he could definitely play Wes is what we're saying so yeah we've casted him in the old school version we'll think of someone 
But Michael and I have determined, as we know, like, no teenage actors. We're like, are there teenage actors now? I don't know, probably. I was like, they're all influencers now, okay? And I am not cool enough to know them. I know, like, the influencers, like, the old school influencers are my day, but I don't know who's, like, hip with the kids and who's on the ticky chalk. Luna Darcy, did you just get in here yourself, or did Daddy help you? um where were we oh yes the how i'm not cool enough to know who like the cool influencer people are i i was trying really hard and it was like every single time i tried to cast somebody it was like i could only cast the adults because i only knew adults like i was like all right who can hillary duff be and i'm like corinna like like, (laughs) i can't like randomly and then i was like oh and then i texted bethany i'm like oh noah schnapp or whatever his name is from uh, Stranger Things could be Cameron. And it's like, okay, so I've cast two minor B characters. Yeah. <laughs> no major <laughs> ones. True. We only know the Stranger Things kids. And uh, that's probably about it. And I was like, and then I Googled like teen actors 2022. <laughs> and I just felt weird looking at these articles that were like, here's all the children actors right now. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I'm <laughs> I was like, this isn't good. I'm going to just close out. <laughs> Honestly, it's fantastic. I love it. And then it's like, does it even matter how old they are? Because I was watching Outer Banks because my nieces wanted me to. And the main character on that show is 30 in real life. And he's yeah. playing like a 17 year old. So does it even matter? Yeah. The, there's been some like, not legitimate controversy, which is like people being dumb with the last of us season two, there's like a time jump in between like the first game and the second game. I'm going to talk like I know about it. I don't, I've never played the games, but I love the first season of the show. And so I saw a couple articles pop up that were like, Oh, like, we're just going to squash this now. Like Bella Ramsey is our Ellie. She's going to be Ellie in season two with the five-year time jump. Like, yeah, she's going from four to the actress literally is 19 though. Like she is the age that she would supposed to be playing in season two. She was like, I think 17 or so when they shot the first season, she's like, looks young, which honestly I look young when I'm not wearing makeup and I'm a grown ass adult woman. So same Z's. And, like, people were legitimately like, oh, you need to recast her because she's not going to look old enough. But she is actually the age that she's supposed to be for season two. But, like, that's how warped our minds are because we are so used to seeing adults play teenagers. And when you see an actual teenager play a teenager, you're like, why do they look so young? <laughs> it's like, because that's what their they should look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. It's weird. And then, like... Mm, I don't want to get on my soapbox, actually. I'm going to step off of my soapbox and I'm going to push my soapbox aside and I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Some more of the learning of, of Macy telling Christy about Jason and him being at brain camp and how he's really serious about his job at the library, which is where Christy goes, is he 90 years old? And I wrote the note preach girl because yeah like that is what we have been saying like why does this teenage boy who again is emailing his girlfriend act more like middle management and not you know like like that's his secretary than his girlfriend and i love that christy is like what this guy seems warped like his priorities do not seem right and it's like thank you yeah 
I have pages 134 and 135 and 136, basically entirely <laughs> completely highlighted because Christy is an icon, a legend. I love her. I literally wrote a standing ovation yes. for our girl. She is like, look, I don't know you that well. I'll admit that. But what I see is a girl, any guy, especially some library nerd who's off at Cranium Camp, <laughs> which I like the name Cranium Camp better. Would Yeah, that's uh, an alliteration is always better. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Would totally want to hear say she loved him. You're smart. You're gorgeous. You're a good person. I mean, what makes him such a catch anyway? Who is he to judge? And she said, he's Jason. And Chrissy said, well, he's a fuckhead. And if I were you, I'd be glad to be rid of him because anyone that can make you feel that bad about yourself is toxic, you know? Yes. I, I loved, I love literally standing ovation, everyone, for, for Christy. I loved everything about, I love that she was just like, well, he's a fuckhead. Everything mm-hmm. <laughs> about what she had to say. And, and yeah, the fact that she's like, you're awesome. And he should realize that. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And yeah, then Macy's like, I'm no prize. And she's like, yes, you are. <laughs> like, And she's like, what sucks is how you can't even see it. And it's like, oh, yes, tell her. She needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this is kind of where we're getting the name drop. Like, do the, do the words the truth about forever actually ever get said? Or is this kind of... Because, like, this is where we start talking about, she says... It's like forever, always changing. And she's, and then, um, you know, Macy's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you know, when I was in the hospital, my life was very short. And, you know, basically she thought she was like going to die. It was like a really bad situation. And she's like, and now I have my whole life ahead of me. So forever is way longer now. So it's like forever is always changing. That's kind of really deep and like wise view of life from our girl Christy. Yeah, this is I also count this as Christy kind of gets the title drop. The actual verbatim words are stated, but it is much, much, much later in the book. And it's only mm. it's said because of this conversation, basically. So I would say I'm giving it to Christy. If we're, you know, we'd like to know them, I would say Christy gets it because she brings up the concept about it first. So I'm giving it to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, this was beautiful. And then she kind of like blows Macy's mind away, honestly, with this whole conversation. And Macy's saying, but then I couldn't imagine after everything that had happened, how you could live and not constantly be worrying about the dangers all around you. Especially when you've already got when you'd already got the gotten the scare of your life. And I was I highlighted that because yeah, how do you live without being constantly terrified of everything around you all the time? Seriously. Imagine, you know, not living in fear constantly. Relatable. I also can't imagine that, but I wish I could. I think that is a very relatable thing. Anyone out there who's not respect to you. <laughs> She says being afraid and being alive is the same thing. And Chrissy's like, no, it's not. It's not. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) uh, Macy is like, it's not. 
I repeated in my head and looked back late and looking back later, it seemed to me that 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 it seemed to me that was the moment everything really changed when I said these words found even aloud and in doing so made my own wish that for me, this could somehow someday really be true. Same. By the end of this book, I hope that I no it's longer live in you. fear. <laughs> like, wow. I really have an epiphany. I'm feeling great. <laughs> it's going to change my life. <laughs> so then Christy and Monica head off to the keg again. So she's just kind of sitting there by herself um, on the back bumper of the ambulance. And who comes over to see her but a little Nilo Ventimiglia West. <laughs> so she asked about his uh, tattoo. Because she's like, you know what, we're just standing here and I keep seeing it. Like, it's always kind of covered by a shirt sleeve, so you can't ever see the full thing. And she's like, I'm just, why not? I'm just going to ask. And so he's like, what? <laughs> because she realizes that she's not, like, really pointing at it. So then finally, they, oh, it dawns on him. Oh, the tattoo. And it's the heart and hand, which, of course, is the sculpture that she saw when she hit that doozy of a hole on the way to see Delia to help her out. So... He explains that it's something that his mom used to draw for him when he was a kid and how he's kind of adapted it and reworked it a few different ways. And he happens to have a version of it as a tattoo and he's made a few different sculptures of it. And he kind of talks about how, you know, it's a series or, or whatnot that he's kind of done the heart and hand of the series. And then Macy apologizes about his mom. She says it just kind of comes out. She didn't mean to. And then he apologizes about her dad. You know, he knew him from when he was younger and he used to run with the Lake Fusive. So he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He seems like a really great guy. And then he asks her because, of course, earlier he heard about how <laughs> she was so fast she could fly that he's like, why'd you stop running? And obviously he has a little bit like it's a little bit of a hobby for him as well. As we know, he used to run as a kid. He, he still runs. He's not the best, as he says, but, you know. So he's like, what's your best time for a mile? And she's like, why? And he's like, I'm just wondering. Like, I want to know if I could beat you. And so she says, like, she could do it in 5'5". Five, five. And he's like, mine's more than 5'5". Five, five. Okay, for sure. You could smoke me, you know? And so they're just kind of talking about it. They're having a very nice, like, cutesy little conversation. And when Christy finally comes back up, she's like, you should have seen your face. She said her breath hot in my ear. So I would just like to mention that my best time for the mile was 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think freshman year of high school, you had to be able to do like a, a 12 minute mile. If you were uh, like a female, and I, I would say a 10 minute mile, if you were a guy or something, I'm not sure why honestly it was working on my gender, but it was. And I like just sneaked by to pass <laughs> like 12 minute mile that I needed to do. Which really, if you walk fast enough, you can walk, like you can speed walk. <laughs> that was the first year I actually tried. Typically, I just walked it and made it like 14 and a half minutes. So I only saved two minutes by running. And, <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. What a stupid fucking thing they make you do every year. It makes me mad. It's so it's dumb. I'm not I'm not a runner okay I'm not trying to run a marathon I'm not trying to be on the Olympic team I'm okay. not trying to do <laughs> anything active whatsoever for the rest of my life okay I don't need to run this freaking mile it's not the zombie apocalypse I have modern comforts 
I could not survive without the apocalypse. I'm pretty sure that I'd be one of the first out. No, I wouldn't even want to. I wouldn't even fucking want to. Like, seriously, why? Having watched many zombie things in my life, movies, TV shows, whatever, it's not fun. <laughs> like, it doesn't look like a good time. And I'm a super anxious person. It's like my anxiety levels would be out of the, like, the world is like pretty okay right now. Like not great, but like okay right now. And I'm still like waking up every day being like, I'm kind of anxious. So can you imagine if that was the, your reality? Like hell's to the no. Like just, yeah, I'd rather just die. Just bite me. Yeah. Put me out of my misery. Thank you. <laughs> I want to do it. I tell everyone like you can sacrifice me because I'm not <laughs> even going to, first of all, if I lose my glasses or break my glasses, I'm fucked. I will not be able to see anything. I will be completely blind, basically. So already we're playing with fire here. Because if you're running from zombies all the time, your glasses are bound to fall off. And second of all, it's like you look around. Look around you, people. What are you living for? You haven't showered in three weeks. You're sleeping on the ground. You're running every single day. You're eating grass. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. Like, that doesn't seem like a good time. The only zombie thing I think I've ever watched where they're not like camping in the woods at some point or something. I mean, I guess Shaun of the Dead, they're not like camping. But British people, apparently that's not part of their zombie apocalypse. Americans were always like, and we'd be out there roughing it. And they're like, <laughs> but in England, it's always like, you're like still living in your house, but just like they're zombies. Shaun of the Dead, I guess there's a really, and also there's this really amazing show back in the day. It was called In the Flesh, and it's amazing. And it was about, like, what if you could find a cure for zombies, basically? And, like, zombies was really, like, an allegory for something. But, like, it was great. It was an allegory for ableism, and it was fantastic. And the first season is only three episodes, and it did in three episodes. Like, it's a complete story in, like, three episodes. And I bawled like a baby in episode three. It is honestly one of the most beautiful things I've ever watched. And I was, like, I was coming in for, like, a teen zombie show. And instead, I just watched one of the most amazing things I've ever watched in my life. Oh my god, I need to watch this. So yeah, they were living in this was, I guess, my point to that before I got on the feels of it all. <laughs> but you know, I always was like, why is there always so much looting in zombie apocalypse? Like, why are people always, and again, not in British zombie apocalypse things, just like strictly American, that seems to be the way it goes. And then I like mm. lived through 2020's toilet paper shortage, and I was like, oh my god, it's like, I guess we're like, <laughs> We are built like our country specifically and our society specifically is built on like a me first slash me only attitude. And it's so apparent, especially in times of emergency, like so apparent. If there was a zombie apocalypse here, we would all kill each other. It would be like The Walking Dead where everyone's against each other, trying to kill each other for some reason unknown. Like... It is not good, and it all comes down to the way that Christianity has propped up masculinity in an American culture. Yep, that is, and uh, that is very, very true. Yeah, yeah. I I can only imagine that in this. I I don't know why, guys. We're really to that forever in zombie apocalypse, will come up, but it has. But I I just imagine. But yeah, like America, it's like, yeah, The Walking Dead, the last, like that kind of vibe, you know, we're camping in the woods, we're looting, we're killing each other. 
you're almost are more afraid of people than you are the zombies, yada, 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 because America and we all put ourselves first and whatever. But then like probably in New Zealand, it's like day one, they took care of the zombies. Everyone's fine. And they're out there enjoying sporting events um, and be exactly as they handled the pandemic. And we'd all just be like, wait, why are we in the woods eating beans? And like Rogers ruling this town or whatever when New Zealand's just like living normally. <laughs> they actually have the zombie outbreak completely contained <laughs> and their lives are almost back to normal. So weird. Uh, what, are, what, are, what are they doing? Why, why can't we figure that out? But anyways, um, that's what I think would be happening in the zombie part of that. And again, we're Americans, so just kill us. It's fine. We, we would have nothing to live for unless we could afford to go to New Zealand. <laughs> Right. Literally. <laughs> Chapter eight, though. I'm... <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Ooh, on a later topic. Um, now that my We've only made it through one. To sacrifice ourselves in a zombie apocalypse. Let's read Chapter eight. <laughs> you have to keep that in, though, because I feel like it's crucial to our character. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's being kept. People need to know. They need to know that about us. <laughs> they already know we're like at a party, so now they need to know. <laughs> They're like, okay, keeping a checklist. So Buffy and Michael Leanne avoid at a party because they will just start talking about politics and drunk. Also, <laughs> Michael Leanne somehow always brings it back to Christianity in America. What's up with that? <laughs> Ooh, wee. What's up with that? What's up with that? I hope if anyone is an SNL fan out there, you get that reference. <laughs> and if not, you're like, wow, what a great jingle. Bethany you just came up like, I will take full credit. Thank you. <laughs> I did write that from scratch. From scratch, from my own head. Oh, chapter eight. Here we are. We're killing it. We're doing great today. <laughs> we are crushing it. Caroline is back in town she's talking about the colby beach house renovations i love the bottom of the first page here chapter 8 page 143 where she's talking about how digital cameras are a real lifesaver and i was like oh girl just wait till smartphones <laughs> i wrote lol oh caroline if you only knew <laughs> I was like her mind is about to be blown <laughs> But yeah, they oh were, God. you know, all the rage of the time. When you could, you could, like, hook up your digital camera and you could see it on the TV. And now everything is just on our phones and in the cloud and whatever. So she's really going to love that, I think. So she's kind of talking about renovations. Macy is saying that her mother is kind of struggling. She's also um, kind of commending Caroline again about how she is very good at dealing with her mother with this. She's like, okay, she kind of brings in sentimentality, but then when she sees that her mom can't handle it because of her grief, she's starting to kind of glaze over, then she'll bring it back to more of a work thing. So all of a sudden she's like, I've never really dealt with skylights before, and the contractor said, maybe we could do something like that. And then all of a sudden her mom's like, oh, you know, it, it depends, the, the size and the brand and whatever. And and so she's like, ah, you know, there she is. She kind of gets her back in when she does that. So again, I just want to commend Caroline for just being very good at handling these sort of situations. Um, respect for you on that. Like this is riling up Luna again. So I'm sorry, everyone, if you can hear my dog barking. But yeah, so she's talking about that. And then she says that her mom kind of like goes to her separately and is saying like, you know, I don't know 
kind of like, oh, the structure, your dad always said the structure was bad. So like maybe it would be better just to like completely restart, which again, I think is just her mom, again, not being able to like face her grief and being like, let's just bulldoze it. And with like, we can still have the property, we can still have a beach house, but it won't constantly remind me of my dead husband. And Caroline, on the other hand, who is coping a little bit better, is like, let's make the house new. Like, let's add these corduroy couches and skylights and make it pretty and make it functional. But we'll still keep some of those memories and nostalgia and dad in it. So they're kind of at a little bit of an impasse there. Can I also say that in around this time period, um, my mother bought a corduroy couch for us. We had it for like 10 years and it was so ugly. It was so ugly. Like the main corduroy color was like burnt orange. And then there was like a pattern on it that was like yellow. It was so ugly and not in like a orange and yellow cool 70s way. Like it was just hideous yeah. but it was it so was really, comfortable really soft, so, so comfortable I can get down with it i do remember corduroy like being a big thing randomly on couches at this time so that i was like yes that tracks i recall that that's funny that you legitimately had one you're like god awful ugly but damn if it wasn't comfortable <laughs> so yeah so her and her mom can have this little talk this is also where her mom she's like folding laundry i guess and this is also where her mom, um, which Macy is very opposed to that idea. I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't like say that strongly to her mom because I don't think she has like the guts to, but in her mind, the beach house, she does so associate with her father and she's already lost her father that she's like, I cannot lose him again. Like I cannot lose another piece of him. I barely have anything left. And as we know, her mother's donate to Goodwill this and get rid of that. And like her mother handles things by not facing it at all and just like let's get rid of it let's start anew and I think Caroline and Macy would like to hold on to a little piece of dad so I respect them there I mean again I know everyone handles things in their own way but stop getting rid of things mom <laughs> it's, not, it's not helping your children cope stop getting rid of uh, she ends up going to the farmer's market because again Caroline's in town Caroline is very like you know, now that I'm married to Wally and I'm into design and I took a couple of art classes once, you know, she goes to the farmer's market to get arugula and she basically tells Macy she's got to rush out of the house. So Macy's like, I'm in an old 5K shirt, cut off jeans, flip flops, you know how it is. Sunday morning at the farmer's market, you're not looking your best. And she's not really worried about it because she thinks that she's not going to find, not going to run into anyone that she would know. And then who does she run into? Wes, only the cutest boy in town. And so then she's like, oh, shoot, I look like a frump. <laughs> and there he is selling his sculptures at the farmer's market. And she does that like traditional like, oh, shit, it goes off and like looks up like a plotted pin or something. And Caroline is like, what are you doing? <laughs> isn't, this, isn't this plotted pin? No, what? And so Caroline realizes that, you know, she looks over because, of course, Wes, bleh recognizes them he's like waving awkwardly at macy and she's like oh oh <laughs> you know that boy that you like that boy and they end up going over to his little like stand at the farmer's market and caroline is very impressed with his sculptures which of course because he's amazing and she's looking at things and she's on the phone like calling wally up and being like we're getting this 
And while she's doing that, Macy's talking to Wes a little bit. Um, I love this entire exchange because, again, Caroline is just being very, like, art major about it and telling telling literally the artist that is standing right in front of her what this art means. And Wes is like, cool. I didn't know that's what. Like, all right. And then she's like, what is this? And he's like, it's a Coke sign. And she's like... A Coke sign, she said, odd, and the bottle caps? It's the inevitable commingling of commerce and region. I, or sorry, and religion. I love that. Oh my God, she's kind of like you. It always comes back to religion. <laughs> and then Wes just nods and he's like, right, he says to her. And then he turns to me and he goes, I just like the Coke sign, actually. And I just think this entire exchange is adorable that, like, you know, she's obviously very impressed with his work. And I feel like, A, he's a little humble. And also, B, it's totally one of those things and I was in a creative writing class once and my favorite thing ever because we had which it was also not my favorite thing you had to like write stories and then bring them into class and you would just like sit in a circle and you were not allowed to say anything and they had to like you know and but I did love like certain times I'd sit there fuming and be like oh my god were you not like do you have reading comprehension skills like I answered your question in the text but then there are other times that someone says something and you're like oh my god you like yeah I'm going with that I'm stealing but that was my intention like you just made me sound so much smarter than I actually am and that's my favorite thing and again it goes back to that whole you know kind of John Greenism of book belongs to their readers and I think any kind of art once you put your art into the world anyone can kind of interpret it the way that they want and obviously we're you know kind of Mm -hmm. Wes is realizing that in real time as Caroline is giving him a lot of credit for his brilliance and she's like you really should be charging for more and he's like yeah we're not a farmer's market next to like (laughs) like, have you seen the stands i'm next to like i can't like if i had showed this somewhere in a gallery sure i could probably charge people more but that's not really where i'm at my art career right now but thank you so much and he gives macy her own little trailer not only does he have what he calls the, the heart in hand series but he has this other angel series and she sees this one with sea glass and she's really impressed by it and he gives it to her and at first she's like no no no, i I couldn't possibly and he's like you'll repay me you know you'll beat me in running one day or or something like that and so she's like no 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 and then again because she's like trying to you know try things a little differently than she has been she finally is like you know what okay yeah i like it he's offering it i'm gonna take it and again, it's not like he didn't make money off her sobbing by because Caroline definitely purchased quite a few pieces. So, yeah, just it's a very cute little little exchange between the two of them. And okay. yeah, I love a couple things about this. First of all, I think Sarah does like the greatest job ever with physical comedy in her novels like it, it's just like this whole scene where she's looking at the potholders and like and trying to avoid Wes and he's like obviously looking right at her and he's like hey um is just like so funny and then <laughs> and then this sentence here he lifted his hand and waved and I felt my face flush as I put the potholder back with its hideous <laughs> brethren <laughs> It's his it's hideous brethren. I was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever read in my entire life. Hideous brethren. And I also love that this guy that Macy obviously has a crush on is over here, like selling his art. 
And her sister just immediately makes like the biggest deal out of it and is like obsessed with it and buys like a ton of pieces and is like get you know exchanges numbers with Wes so she can look at his bigger pieces and it's just like yes Caroline excellent good wing work, woman good job work. we love that <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like yes girl use that money for good yeah, so yeah, good. yeah it's just really you know we talked about this before we talked a lot about this in this lullaby about how like cinematic so much of like that book was and I feel like this one too like this entire farmer's market scene like I 100 like I feel like I legitimately have seen this scene in a movie even though I had like obviously because this is not a movie but like I can just visualize it so well and yeah like the way that she writes the physical comedy which again is super hard like physical physical comedy is a really hard thing to pull off when you are actually doing it in a visual medium and to be able to do it in a written like in text in a book is just God, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, you you absolutely yeah, nail it every single time. God, it's so good. It's, it's so incredible. good. So yeah, just everything about this sequence. It's it's like it's light and it's lighthearted and fun, and you get to see this really cute dynamic between the two of them. But then also you get, I don't know, like so much in it as well. Like so much in this chapter. Like this chapter starts off you know, with kind of her mom being like, I want to bulldoze over your father's beach house. <laughs> and then, you know, you get this kind of like, <laughs> again, we're seeing Macy kind of just, you know, uh, stepping out of her shell a little bit and doing things like the fact that she was like, you know what? No, I am going to take this. I'm like, and it's, it's such a silly thing to be like, oh, no, what? I'm going to take this like gift that someone is offering me. But for her, like, it is a big deal. And it's kind of just showing like, you know, she sat on the couch of the birdmobile once and her life has been forever changed. <laughs> hmm And then also, not only does she buy all of this art and, like, get really hype about him, she's also like, you will show somewhere else. It's only a matter of like, confidence time. she has in it. Like, that must be so nice to, like, for him to hear that, you know? Like, they're the... Again, like, yeah, she's kind of made fun of her being like, she took a couple of art clubs, like, she was told she had a good eye once, and now she, like, really thinks she knows her stuff. But she does, like, she does know her stuff. And for someone, like, that is a complete stranger to him. Like, yes, he knows Macy, but he's never met her sister, you know, from Adam. And she comes up and is like, mm-hmm. I want all of, I'm buying all these pieces. I'd like more pieces from you. You're gonna do great things. I'm certain of it. Like, you will show somewhere. And, like, just showing up on a farmer's market doing his normal thing and to have someone come and tell you that like that's got to be very validating i love that i love that i just love it also i also want to mention one thing that i really realized during this chapter that i was reading like all of sarah dessen's characters are pretty well off financially like every single one of them and not even just like kind of well off like these people have two homes and one of them is on the beach, literally on the beach. And like, you know, obviously Coley Sparks was loaded and then so was her aunt. Like they had family money. Like it was just like, it's like everybody has, it takes away any sort of pressure about financial situations. Yeah, that's I guess. very true. Which yeah. And everything fun. we've read so far, I'm trying to think of some other book. There's a it's like one, the, the, not even, they're kind of, well off too but yeah they do tend to be pretty well off always and i think it really shows 
And again, reading this in 2004, I don't think that really dawned on me as much. I mean, I knew that they right. were well-to-do because I, like, right. my family didn't have two homes, obviously, so I knew they were pretty well-to-do. But it's one of those things reading as an adult that you're like, well, these people are doing very well for themselves. And the fact that, yeah, her sister, too, has two houses. Like, they have their house in Atlanta, and they have a mountain home. Her and Wally have a mountain home. And so I was like, oh, dang. So, yeah, like, even the next generation is doing very well for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's very interesting to me that they are. Again, I guess you could say some of the side characters. I mean, in this book, for instance, you have the fact that Chrissy lives in a double wide. Like, Wes and Bert and Delia seem to do okay for themselves, but I don't think that they're threat. They don't own a beach house, you know. They live off, like, a dirt road. They seem a little bit more, like, probably, like, upper middle class. Or not upper middle class, more, like, true middle class. And then I feel like, I don't know, like, Macy's family, I guess, would be upper middle class or, I don't know, maybe even a step above that. I'm not really sure. But they're not hurting, that's for certain. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There are no financial concerns. Like, even in Dreamland, like, even when the mothers don't work, like, Dreamland, she didn't work, and that yeah, summer she doesn't she work. Or, no, 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 someone like you? I don't know. But those ones, like, the mom doesn't even work, and even then, they're still, like, super well-to-do, so. Also, it's, like, you know, different time. I would love to see what a story set in 2023 by Sarah would be like. Uh, Chapter 9. Here we go, guys. Last chapter of the episode. Oh, Chapter 9. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say it. Iconic. This is where... This is where it starts. This is where... Okay. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) So, so many iconic things honestly happen in this chapter. God, I just, wow. So, we start. We're at a party. <laughs> catering. She's getting her party. Catering uh, a party? Ugh. Catering a party. I can talk today, y'all. I promise. I really am like, guys, this is Diamond Chopper. I'm so good. And who's there? The Pitalbits. Who, of course, are Jason. You're so excited. You're getting ahead of yourself. little smarty fans parents. Just like he's a snooty little pretentious smarty fans himself. So, of course, she's here. Monica, no surprise, spilled some red wine. And I also love, this is another little tidbit we learned about Bert. Delia's like, of course this happened on the night that Bert took off. Bert is very good at getting out stains, we have now learned. <laughs> so he's not there. He's like, he has the night off. So Macy has now been tasked. So she's down there trying to blot this stain out. And of course, she's like on her hand and knees. I love that. Doing something that smarty, pretentious people think is beneath them, which is the service industry. And let me tell you, it's not. So literally, just stop and don't be a dick. They, of course, she's on her hands and knees when they spot her. And they're like, Macy, what are you doing down there? Oh, and again, if one more goddamn adult comes at this girl about this library job and asks her if she's not taking it seriously or like, you know, they're like, for our son, it was a full-time commitment. And it's like, oh my God. Well, your son also basically broke up with me. And of course, they're like, we really hope that that works out. And blah, 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 blah. So she is feeling pretty low. And she's like, oh, you know, no, of course, library is my commitment. Oh, and of course, I want Jason and I to be good and yada, yada, yada. And so he says here, Mm-hmm. And he and Chrissy walks back up here in this moment as well. <clears throat> and she says, she's like, 
she, you know, Chrissy's like, uh, um, or Macy's like, Monica just abandoned me to deal with this spilled wine. And she's like, she's really upset. This is really hard for her. She's very self-conscious. And then Monica walks by like flat face, expressionless. And Chrissy's like, see, she's upset. <laughs> Cracks me up every time. So, uh, Mr. Talbot says, um, you know, basically he's saying that he hopes that they can, you know, work things out or whatever, that you two can work things out. And he says something about, I mean, he is fond of you, but Jason just has so much on his plate. He has to be very careful not to get distracted from his goals, which can you just imagine saying that to the girl that he went on a break with? Like, you're a distraction and whatnot. So Christy comes up. That's so good. And she's already annoyed at this guy because he's been stealing shrimp from her and he's now like being very rude to a friend of hers. And so she goes, so sorry, Christy said smoothly, turning on her heel. We're on a goal to get out another round of appetizers and we can't allow ourselves to be distracted. Icon. She is an icon. Like what? Oh, I wish I could be that cool. (laughs) I wish I could be that cool. Not to mention he reaches for shrimp and she pulls the tray back so aggressively that shrimp fall on the floor and she doesn't even care she's like fuck hospitality screw you god i can't that entire family i just god i cannot with them so yeah so they go back into the kitchen and chrissy is like like, oh you're not gonna believe what happened and delia's like did monica spill something else and i was like no Thankfully, that is not it. They're just like, oh my God, it's people. They're just like being awful to Macy. And she, um, she's like, I wanted to sock him. And again, poor nervous Nellie Delia, who like everything goes wrong all the time. She's like, but you didn't, right? No. <laughs> I mean, she should have. She, you know, he 100% deserved it. And she's like, he's getting a foot stomp. And Delia's like, oh God, please, like, just don't. But again, Delia, if you would have heard this man, you would have wanted Christy to sock him. Okay, trust me. I love what Christy says about this situation, too. Like, first of all, she's fuming, which I love. And she's like, Macy's jerkwad boyfriend's father. And do you know what he did out there in front of God and me and everybody? I love the in front of God. Amazing. And like a little while later, when she's like, you didn't sock him, right? She's like, no, but I did cut him off. He's on a crustacean restriction from here on out. And I'm like... I love you. Restriction. It's <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever heard. Restriction, restriction. Every word she it. utters is honestly just so good. I love it so much. Quality. Um, and then, so yeah, so they're back there, and obviously Macy just kind of had a moment, and Chrissy basically just sort of let everyone know that this happened, which, again, Chrissy was being an icon. But Macy's feeling like a little bit embarrassed still from the encounter out there. And now the fact that, you know, Chrissy's kind of made the whole thing here. And so Wes is, you know, getting his tray ready. He's going to go set up his little bar in the corner. Like he's always kind of seems to be working the bar at these events. And he's like, hey, are you? And she's always just so used to being like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everything is fine. Her normal response. And she's like, I'm fine. It was nothing. Just a stupid thing. Da, da, da. And he's like, able to grab that other tray? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, okay he he wasn't all right so everything's fine and again it's kind of one of those things where it's like she's always so worried because she's had that year of the pity stares and all of this like the clearing in the woods when rachel brought up her dad's history and she's worried how he's interact. they don't this thing like julia's just concerned that monica has spoiled something that christy has made a scene like no one is concerned 
about how this like reflects on Macy. And again, like I say that in a good way, like they're not, you know, she's embarrassed, whatever. And like, no one makes it a thing. And that's exactly what she needs. Like Wes just wanted her to carry some glasses out. <laughs> she like thinks that he's like checking in on her. And again, it's just kind of like a little funny, like misunderstanding scene, but also it just proves once again, A, Christy is an icon and she's willing to stand up for her friends. And that B, everyone else, it's just like so much chaos is going on. They don't even notice that like she, you know, is embarrassed or like that she's had this moment or whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, they basically finish up this with thankfully no more drama for the rest of the catering events. And Delia's husband comes to pick her up like straight from there. So Wes and Macy are going to be responsible for getting the wish van back. Um, so she's there. They're like all, they've just been paid. They're all kind of like standing in the driveway doing their normal things. It'd be the normal routine. It's like, Christy being like, we're going out, come with us, whatever. But everyone kind of like seems to have, like they they already have a plan. And I think Wes and Mace are supposed to meet up with them once they finish dropping off the van or, or whatnot. Um, so yeah, so Delia's out there and she's like, God, like think, think, think. Again, Delia's husband not looking great here. We talked about this last episode about how he didn't seem, and he's just like, that our dinner reservation was for 10 minutes ago. And again, I think that's probably perfectly fine guy but so far it doesn't seem that helpful Mm-mm. just saying no. i was kind of being a dick um so she's like oh my god and so christy's like jesus how much longer do we have to deal with you being pregnant and then delia is very sensitive about that now how everything's being blamed on her pregnancy and we do learn that her due date is july 10th and she's supposed to she'll be so that's three weeks from now which christy says is entirely too long <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, it's less than a month, but all right, Christy. Um, oh, Christy being a little dramatic, which I will love. So, yeah, so they get into the van, and Christy promises that the party that they're going to that night is going to have some extraordinary boys there. And Macy's like, I, I don't really know what that means. And she's like, at the end of the night, you will trust me. So they head off, they head off into their separate ways when a few minutes down the road, Wes says, so that's what Julia forgot. And it was to put gas in the catering van because they are out of it. And then what happens next is so good. Really? (laughs) And also, I feel like could only really happen in 2000 and well, 2004 and like before. Because pretty soon technology is going to get too good and whatnot that you would know where the gas station is because you'd have a GPS and but at this point in time, yes, they have cell phones, which she does bring up. So they end up basically getting stranded in, in what she says is appears to be in the middle of nowhere, like really the middle of nowhere. They have no idea which direction a gas station might be. She has her cell phone. She tries calling a couple of people, but Christy's not answering, probably because she's at the party and it's too loud and isn't paying attention. Bert is out and her mom is like in a meeting or something. So they're just trucking along. And yeah, very, very... This could not happen. This <laughs> probably could not happen in, in our 2023 landscape. But, you know, almost 20 years ago, it was definitely a thing. And they start playing a little game, which is first letter, last letter. It's a classic. Someone picks a category. You have to go back and forth. And Wes is tr- struggling a little bit. Macy actually let him pick the category, which is food. And she keeps sending her things in eyes. And so then he has to, the first letter has to start with an I and he's having an issue. 
this is where we do get this great line, which is some of Wes's great wit and also just made me think of us, which she's talking about, like, what did you do on road trips? Like, you didn't play these games and, and stuff. And he's like, and she, you know, she's like, all right, do you want to play a different game? Because, like, obviously you're not doing good at this. And she accuses him of cheating because he says instant breakfast. And she's like, that's a drink. Food. And he's like, there's so many rules. Like, what is, like, are you serious? So then she's like, my sister cheated at everything. She uh, cheated at this. She cheated at, what did she say, staring contest even. And she cheated at truth. And he's like, what the heck is truth? And so she's like, what'd you do on road trips? And he says, we, he said, discuss politics and current events and engage in solicitantalizing uh, discourse. And I was just like, that's hysterical. <laughs> it's like disgusting. I was like, I had to highlight that part because I was like, Oh, <laughs> um, and that isn't what they they did on road trips but again like they were boys so like he mm-hmm. said he's like me and my brother like each other up in the back seat and Macy kind of admits that truth is more of a girl's game and truth from my understanding is basically you take out dare from truth and truth or dare and it's just a whole thing of having to tell the truth or whatever when you're asked a question and there are no dares that's what I gather in mm-hmm. Also, before this, I'm kind of going way backwards, but just really quick, when they are still at the um, catering event, she is <clears throat> looking around at everyone and she says, there was a whole other world out there, the Talbot's world, where I didn't belong now, if I ever had, but it was okay not to fit in everywhere as long as you did somewhere. So I picked up my tray, careful to keep it level and pushed through the door to join my friends. I thought that was a really nice way to set up the scene because she's like, these are my people. I finally found my people. She doesn't have to fake her personality and and try to be someone she's not anymore. And then, yes, we are here. People should always be like people that you can be your true authentic self with. Mm -hmm. So, yes. I love that. Yeah. And here we are. Page 172. A big moment. Wes asked her, all right, explain truth to me. What are, what are the rules of truth? And the rest of what they say is it's just really great. And so she explained to him, you know, what it is, which is simple. You just have to answer the truth. And he, of course, wants to know how you win. And she's like, oh, my God, that's such a boy question. And he's like, I'm sorry. You were the one who was accusing me of cheating and coming like, what? Like, now you're going to say that I'm being competitive, you know, when you were just being very competitive. And so she, you know, explains, like, basically the way you win is someone has to refuse to answer a question. So if someone says pass, then whoever passes then has the opportunity to ask the person, uh, the other person, a question. And if they are able to answer it truthfully, which, again, there is obviously a lot of, like, goodwill and, you know, you having to, like, trust the person they are telling the truth because, you're kind of asking questions that you might not know the truth to. Um, anyways, if they are able to answer their question after someone has passed, then they win. And so he's like, well, that doesn't seem very fair. Cause like, what if you were like asked something really simple and she was like, you wouldn't though. Like if you knew that you would pass, like the next question you asked would be something like really big and really important. So that way it, it would be hard for the other person to win. And then so they go ahead and start playing. He's like, okay, I'm down. And so she asks him what his favorite color is. And he tells her not to coddle him. 
Um, he's like, ask something real. Let's go. Like, we're, we're, we're literally out here in the middle of nowhere walking to find a gas station. Hit me with something real. And so she asked him how he got sent to Myers school. And he says that he broke into a house. He didn't do anything. They just wanted to go there and kind of squad. They're just like drinking beer, essentially. It was the very first time he'd ever done something. He had no other priors, but, you know, they wanted to make an example out of him. And so they sent him off to Myers. And, you know, he went to that school and, you know, was on the train narrow since then. And then she goes ahead and admits to him that Jason used to tutor there. And so then his truth question is, what is the deal with that? And she kind of explains the story that we all know now. And he kind of, he catches himself because he says something about the library. And Macy's like, I didn't say anything about the library. Like, I didn't say the job was at the library. And he's like, yeah, you, you did. And then she's like, oh, Chris, you must have said something. And so he admits, like, no, it was the night at the clearing. Like, I overheard that conversation or at least part of it. And so then she's like, wait a minute, that's not how truth works. Like, you already knew the answer to that question. And he's like, well, I had to know you're telling the truth. <laughs> and I think he also just wanted to know, like, her side. Like, it's one thing to overhear a conversation and one thing to be told something. Yeah. Um, so I totally understand what he would have asked. So she's a little mad at him about that. Uh, you know, not like seriously mad at him. But she's like, well, Pete. And so then she's like, okay, well, there's two rules. And he's like, excuse me, you told me there was one rule for this game. And now you're already changing the rules on this. And he's like, I think this should be sent to a vote. And so she's like, you don't get to vote. And then he's like, all right. Uh, so then she says, fine, if you're proposing a rule change, you could have at least presented a case for it. And then he's like, this is so student council. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Fine. We'll just keep it like the way that it was. And she's like, all right, that's fine. So we learn a little bit about uh, the fact that Wes has a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. The first time we heard mention of that. We knew about Jason, but we learned about Becky. And he kind of explains the same thing, that he has a girlfriend, but they also are kind of basically waiting to the end of the summer to see where they stand. We get a little throwback, not a happy one, because this is a sad thing to dreamland, but the Evergreen Care Center is mentioned again which is where Becky is, because much like, oh my God, I forget her name. Literally, why do we always do this? <laughs> Caitlin. Thank you. I was like, I can think of his bag name, but I can't think of her name. Just like Caitlin, she got sent to Evergreen for pot. I don't know why everyone in Sarah Land is getting sent to rehab for weed, but it's early 2000s. I don't, I don't know. know. So she, he met her at Myers, and then she got busted for pot. She was in Myers because she had shoplifted. Now she's at the Evergreen Care Center because she got busted for pot. And so he's like, she doesn't want me to go and visit her there because it's too hard, which we kind of knew that from Dreamland, which it is, like we said before, like it is hard to, to visit someone in, in a situation like that. And again, you kind of do it for them and not you. But she has explicitly stated she doesn't want him to come. So, hey, that's her wishes. So, yeah, they're kind of on a pause. And that's where, again, Macy realizes that her and Wes had even more in common than she thought. They both lost a parent. They both have this weird relationship status. They're both in love with each other. And <laughs> they just can't admit it yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so then she kind of tells him about the email that she got. And he's like, oh, hey, that's rough. And she's like, tell me about it. 
So yeah, they just have like a little bonding moment about their like weird relationship statuses. And then he asks her the question, which is, why did you quit running? And she finally is able to tell the truth about that, which is that, you know, she loved running. Running was her thing with her dad. And then she woke up five minutes late on the day after Christmas. She ran about, you know, her normal route in her neighborhood, got about half mile down the road. And there was someone trying to resuscitate her dad and he died in front of her. And she was there, as we know, like he knows that, but he doesn't really know the full thing. And he says, um, here and for a second i felt unsteady as if with this story no longer held so closely against me i'd lost my footing grief can be a burden but also an anchor you get used to the weight to how it holds you to a place and yeah she's kind of a little bit of her i think is relieved to finally kind of tell that story and then yeah i think another part of her like that would really kind of rock your world that you've kind of been holding on to this Mm -hmm. thing and now it's out there into the world yeah yeah she felt like she really couldn't talk about it i feel like because she was trying to keep everything so like sucked in perfect and fine and um she finally gets is comfortable enough with someone to tell them which i thought was good for her it's about time yes and then suddenly gas <laughs> yeah and then suddenly um a guy pulls up and he's like hey what are you guys doing and Wes is like we ran out of gas and so the guy um lets them in his car which i don't recommend that kids <laughs> and he drives them back the way that they came and it turns out that there was a gas station like literally right around the corner from where their truck was um, or the van was, they just decided to go the other way. So that's pretty funny. Meant to, Meant be. to be. Do you believe in fate? Because in this moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was fate. fate. <laughs> so then Wes goes out there and he's pumping gas and they're just kind of like sitting in this moment with all this information sitting between them. And Wes says, hey, roll down the window. And he's like, he goes, I thought of one. She was like, what? And he said, iceberg lettuce. He brought it back to their original game of first letter, last letter, or whatever it's called. And um, that's pretty cute. And then Christy calls and is like, where are you? And Monica's about sick. She's almost inconsolable, <laughs> which I would love to see. <laughs> I'm certain she's fine. I'm certain she is just fine. And, uh, she, you know, Macy tells her what happens. She's like, I called you. And she's like, oh, geez, I didn't see that. And then Christy basically says, don't even bother coming to this party. There are nothing but ordinary boys here. And then she kind of looked at Wes and she's like, oh, that's too bad. And Macy's like, don't worry. I mean, Christy's like, don't worry, Macy. Someday I'll show you an extraordinary boy. They do exist. You just have to believe me. And. We end the chapter with Macy saying, don't worry, I do. Woo! Yeah, baby. She has found herself an extraordinary boy, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. Don't wait till the end of the summer, you two crazy kids, for these duds. I mean, Becky could be fine, for all I know, but Jason is for sure a dud. Jason's for sure a dud. (laughs) Becky sounds like she needs some time alone, personally. Yeah. Um, 
I wonder what she really went to rehab for because Caitlin was like, I went to rehab for pot officially, but that's not really what I was going to rehab for. Yeah. So I wonder if there's like more to that whole tale. But I'm gonna say probably it sounds like Becky's going through something. Again, most people that shoplift like aren't like shoplifting because they want like it's for attention and like, you know, like they're going through something. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. She's out of her green for maybe more than just a little bit than pot. So I feel for her. I hope she's doing well. I hope she gets the help that she needs. But yeah, I think maybe that's not the best time to be in a relationship and you should focus on yourself. And also, well, I'm sure you're great. Macy and Wes are meant to be. Okay, Becky, you don't understand that the gas station was right there, but they went two miles in the opposite direction because they were meant to have this moment. Yep. It's all meant to be in Sarahverse. I love it. Exactly. So, and that would be one of the things, like in real life, if you did it at the time, you'd be like, damn it. But years later, you could like laugh at it and be like, yeah, we went two miles in the wrong direction. Because we were meant to be together that night, learning about each other and falling in love. So, that that's the chapters that we had on the on deck for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us on this absolutely unhinged episode, as they all are. Let us know what you would do if a zombie apocalypse happened. Would you sacrifice yourself or would you try to make it work? And if so, why? You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash pod to gain access to our Discord where we chit-chat and make friends and love each other. And that's all I got for plugs. Follow us on Instagram. Shoot us a review. We would love that. Uh, tell your friends about us. Tell your sisters. Tell your cousins. In front of God, me, and everybody, <laughs> tell everyone about Face, the best podcast where you come for Sarah Death and Feels and you leave thinking, what would I do in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> you come for the YA and you stay for the zombies. Oh, boy. Often there is crossover there. So, you know. There is. <laughs> Live your best life. Go thrive. We love, love you. you. Bye.